Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for just a few moments. I, I put a couple titles out there. Go ahead and put the title of this message on the board this morning. I've, the first title I gave this message is Make Room for Jesus. Amen? The second title I have, you can write them both down if you like, is Your Life Crowded. And I found a story, you know, because so many of us have so many things going on in our lives. Sometimes the, the waters are muddled by everything that happens in, in our daily walk. Amen? I found a story, is a story of a man in 1996 in Augusta, Georgia. It was at the Masters Golf Tournament. It's a story of a man that said that he, he could have witnessed one of the most famous golf matches in history. How many here you like golf? Amen? There's a few of us that like golf. I love to watch that little white ball fly through the air because, you know, it's, it's, it's not just about a ball and a club, but that ball does a lot of strange things, amen, just like you and I in our lives. We do a lot of strange things. Sometimes we go left and sometimes we go right, amen. Sometimes we go a little too far. We got to bring it back a little bit, amen. And here this man said that uh, he had his chance and he was on this golf course he could have been in the gallery, he says, but he said that he swapped a ringside seat for an egg salad sandwich and a hat and a golf shirt. He said his wife uh, was in the attendance courtesy of another PGA golfer named Scott Simpson, and they watched uh, his round on Sunday, and they intended the, to follow the leaders as they finished. And a golfer by the name of Greg Norman, who is one of the most famous golfers of all time, if you don't know that. But he held a six-shot lead over his closest competitor, which by the name, his name was Nick Faldo. Now, understanding golf, a six-shot lead is like a 30-point halftime lead, amen? It's in football. Six shots in golf is a lot, amen? It takes, it takes a miracle for you to come back from that type of, a, uh, you know, trailing by that far. So rather than follow the finishers, this man, he chose to stroll through the souvenirs tent just to walk around the golf course to look at some of the historical facts and artifacts. He tried on shirts and hats. He ate one of the tournament's famous egg salad sandwiches, and he drank some of Georgia's famous sweet tea. Hallelujah. How many would miss a little bit of golf or some of that? Amen. Matter of fact, some of you are at the restaurant already enjoying your sandwich and your tea as I'm ministering this morning, amen? But here he is, he says, not knowing that history was being made right outside that souvenir tent. He says, with nine holes to go, that, that six-stroke lead, all of a sudden, it's down to a three-stroke lead. And Norman, Greg Norman, was faltering. Faldo was charging, uh, and, 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 and the gallery was growing, and here this man was shopping. Okay? Can I get an amen, ladies? <laughs> These ladies are shopping. Amen? So by the time he stepped out of the tent and he saw the score, it was all tied up. It was too late. It was, he, he didn't get a chance to see any of the comeback. It was too late. He raced to the 18th hole, but the crowd was so thick that he couldn't even see a thing. And the crowd, it roared as Faldo, he won the greatest comeback in the history of the Masters Tournament. But he had a really nice hat, you might say. And he had a wonderful T-shirt. And he, he, listen, he missed what mattered the most. 
He looked good. It's, it's one thing to do that at a golf tournament, but it's something else to do that in life, the life that we are involved in today. We get sidetracked. This man, uh, he was out shopping. He was out purchasing. Uh, he was out. Uh, he wanted to look good and have the most popular things that are out there on the golf, in the golf world. Uh, and he missed the most important opportunity of his life to see one of the greatest sports comebacks in the entire history of sports. Amen? Have you ever missed out on something? You ran to the restroom and you missed the touchdown. It's a small thing. But to see something historical, it's a whole nother story. Amen? To look up at the end of life and realize that you spent your whole life in a souvenir shop. To know that we've spent our entire life searching and chasing and looking for all the wrong things. To miss in our life what really, really matters. And I believe that that's why we're here today, because we are seeking the things that really matter. Listen, today is not just about a children's program. It's not just about saying that I went to church on a Sunday morning, but I think it's about the Savior named Jesus Christ, amen, who gave his life for you, for me, no matter what you feel today in your life, no matter how much you failed, no matter how much you have or have not done in your life, Jesus Christ, he gave his life for you and he gave it for me. You know what, we're at the time of Christmas right now and people are shopping and people are buying and it feels wonderful to give and it feels great to receive and all these things are great. But sometimes we forget what Christmas is really all about. And I think these children just uh, gave us a display of exactly what it's all about. You know, Caesar was a, this, this was a, a story in the Bible, you know, we, we misinterpret this story a lot of times. But they were heading to this city. They had to go back to this place. They were both from that lineage and the heritage of, of David, and they had to go back to that city for a lot of legal reasons. And here she is. She's walking through this place. They see, the Bethlehem in the innkeeper, he made this same mistake that I'm talking about today that you and I are making. We don't make it all the time. It's not an everyday thing. But, I mean, there are some of us that feel like in their 30s and 40s that every day was a mistake. Amen. I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I can never go back and fix anything that I've ever done. We have to look to the future, amen, see what God has for us. He was so close to making history. This innkeeper, he did not understand. He could have witnessed the birth of Jesus Christ. He could have seen it with his own eyes. He was right there. And all he had to do was open the door, but he did not. And because he didn't, we read in the Scripture these very sad words in Luke chapter 2, verse 6 through 7. It says, so it was uh, that while they were there, the days were completed to her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. You know, this scripture has a very... A, a, a lot of different translations to it. And I wrote down here in my notes, I, I, I wrote this sermon out, and it says, while they were in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth to this child. Sometimes we have to see a Bible verse in, in, in our own way of living and understanding it the, through our own eyes. And she gave birth to her first son because there were no rooms left in the inn. She wrapped the baby with pieces of cloth, uh, and she laid him in this box uh, where animals are being fed. Now think about this. I'm, I'm, I'm animating this story just a little bit for us. 
You know, and don't think of this inn as some, some fancy hotel down the street because this was a place, and you can do some study on that particular scripture, but it was a place where people that were very, very desperate had to stay. And it was filled up. There was no room in this house. There was no room for them. And there was a place. They got there and there was no place for them to stay. You see, now when you look at this story, we don't know much about the innkeeper. The Bible doesn't give us the details of the innkeeper. It doesn't, uh, we don't know much about the inn itself other than what it said very specifically and what I just mentioned. Or the time of day when we think about, you know, where we're not even sure if Joseph and Mary even spoke to the innkeeper himself or herself. We don't know. We don't know the, the details of that. There was no place for Christ is all that we know that happened here. Amen? Number one, there was no place. Number two, they had no space for him. They didn't even desire a, a space. They didn't even make a space. They didn't even create something new for him. And when the Son of God, number three... When he looked for a place to rest, he was turned away. Amen? Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. The solicitor comes knocking at your door. He's got a box of cookies or a box of chocolates to sell you. You don't even, some people don't even open the door. Some people don't even entertain the thought that somebody's even knocking at your door. And I'll go into this just a little bit more in detail in just a few minutes. But most of the time, we turn them away. And we have the right to do so. But I'm going somewhere with this message in just a few moments. I hope you understand exactly what's happening here. Listen, they turned Jesus away. And throughout uh, all of the years, here we, we've read uh, this story. It's, 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 it's a story that's just mind-boggled us. I don't know about you, but for me, it's mind-boggling. In the Christian world, it's a mind-boggling story in Luke chapter 2, where it says the inn was crowded, and they had turned, it says they had turned Bethlehem into a boom town. And this place, uh, and people would come from all over the place. It said that the innkeeper knew the chance to make money. Hello? It's like you and I, when we're living our lives, you know, we're chasing money all over the place. Uh, we're building businesses. And there's, listen, there's nothing wrong with business. There's nothing wrong with making money. That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about when it is all that you do. It's all that you care about. It's the, it's the, the number one thing in your life, and that's what you want to do. And all you care about is filling up your rent, uh, your building, so that you can make as much money as possible. You see, this innkeeper knew the chance to make money when he saw it. Number one, he packed the people into that place, didn't he? The story says that he packed them in, uh, he placed a body in every single bed, uh, and he lined the halls with sleeping bags and with cots, and there were people sleeping everywhere in this place. It's almost like going down to the Salvation Army is what we can picture this building being like. Homeless people are there, people that are desperate, people that don't have a, a place to sleep or a, a meal to eat. These are things that happen in life. And we know the place was crowded, but really, couldn't they have found a place, one space, for a man and a woman and a child in the belly? You see, look at this woman here. She was round like a ladybug. I mean, I'm not going to say anything else, but like a ladybug is all I can think of. She was walking through these roads, and I can imagine sandals, barefoot, who knows how it is. Uh, but here she is. Uh, she's about ready to pop, uh, and that's as clean as I can be. I mean, that's, how, that's what it looks like to me. As you read the story, you can see it. 
Amen? Here she is. She's getting ready to have a baby. And we know the fact, there's no doubt in any of our minds that we want to be respectful when we see a pregnant lady. Isn't that right? We want to have uh, uh, common sense and say, you know, I'm going to be a gentleman. I'm going to help this person. And I'm going to, you know, if you've been in a bus or, or in a train or you're, 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 you're in a grocery store or sitting in a, in a doctor's office and there's a lady that's standing there, especially if she's pregnant. A real gentleman would say, ma'am, would you like to have a seat here? Amen? Even in the church, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, would you like to sit right here? This would be a great seat for you. Glory to God. Not because you need it more than I need it, but because, you know, I just want to give you something. I want to be here for you. But it's even worse when it's a pregnant lady standing there and she needs, she needs help. So babies, we, we, we know the simple fact that babies can be noisy. We know that, that maybe the place was so packed and so busy and things were happening and, and, and all there was too much motion going on in this woman's life. And I'd like to say that, you know, a pregnant woman or a woman who just gave birth might uh, need some medical attention. It would have been a distraction to this place. What if she was a distraction to those uh, who were there sleeping in the inn trying to get rest? Babies just start crying at odd hours of the day. Things happen, amen? Besides this couple, they were too common. Listen to this. If, if, if it was King Joseph or if it was Queen Mary, do you think that maybe the circumstances would have been a little bit different? I mean, if you pulled up here in a Rolls Royce, you know, I mean, not at this church, but at some churches. I'll just tell you a story about a church I do know about. I won't mention the name. I won't mention the pastor. But I do know that in the front uh, 25 rows of the sanctuary, which is a lot of seats in this building, that you have to be a multimillionaire to even sit there. And they check your financial records and your tithe record as you walk into the church to sit in that front 25 rows of the service. I got news for you. You're welcome to sit in any seat you'd like to sit in here in this place. I, amen. I'll tell you what. We, we all hardworking people in this place. Can I get an amen? We're not sitting here judging you by what? Listen, what you give to God is between you and God. Hallelujah. I do know this, our, our leadership team is held accountable to, to the things of God, amen? Our, our faithfulness and our giving and our attendance and praying and, and reading our word of God, there's an accountability to us when we become men and women of God. And here in this particular case, I got to thinking about this. Uh, if he knocked on the door and said, hey, I am King Joseph, and this beautiful woman next to me here is, oh, man, she's carrying a miracle baby because I'm, I promise you I haven't touched her. Amen? She's got a miracle here, and that's queen. She's the queen, Queen Mary. Man, I tell you, the whole scenario would have been different. I believe they'd have walked in there and started sounding the sirens and the horns and waking everybody up in the inn just to make room for these very special people that were coming in. Amen? I can imagine if they'd walked in and, or, or strolled up in their camels and servants instead of just a few pieces of clothing. And a tired old donkey, I think the situation would have been much different. You see, they were so common people, just like you and I. They were hurting. I can imagine the journey that they were on was just exhausting. It was so late. That the inn was so crowded. And this innkeeper, he made a decision. And by the decision that he made, listen to me this morning, he missed an opportunity of a lifetime. Amen? 
He missed an opportunity of a lifetime. He missed a, an opportunity to have Jesus Christ, uh, the Son of God, born right there before his own eyes to witness the birth of Jesus Christ. How many of you would love to say that Jesus Christ was born in your house? Can you imagine? You'd probably never have to worry about anything ever again in your entire life. They would drop big old buckets of, of, of money down onto your house and your property just to provide for King Jesus. Amen? Because he's so wonderful. You think we would have made that very same decision today in our own life? To tell them there's no room? When you get that phone call from a family member that says, uh, I'm at the very end of my wits and I can't do it any longer. I'm about to give up in life. Uh, I'm about to lose everything I have. Uh, don't you think that that is a time where God has called us uh, to rise up and do something miraculous for him? Not just to say, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just keep doing, you know, punishing this guy because he just keeps living over and over and over and over. Never learns a lesson in anything. That's not what it's about. You see, a better choice is what we need. And do we make better choices? In Revelations chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus says this. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and dine with him and he with me. Praise God. What a powerful scripture. He says, If you just stand at the door and knock, he said, I will come in. What else could you ask for from, the, from our Lord and our Savior? You see, it seems that Jesus is still looking for places into which he can enter in this world today. Did you hear what I said? Jesus is still looking for places where he can dwell. He's looking for places where he can manifest his power and his authority on this earth. Because I got news for you, the world isn't doing it for us, amen? The things of this world aren't doing it for us. Listen carefully to the activities in your life. That's a very important point. And the circumstances of your world. Just listen carefully and you will hear the knock of God. If you will listen, even in the midst of the storm, in the trial, you will hear the knock of God on your heart. And I know that this world is very busy. I understand it. Everybody's running, everybody's gunning, everybody's doing things. It's noisy. There's many distractions in our lives. We all have them. Every single one of us, as we go to work, as we go uh, wherever, dinner, whatever the case is, you go to a restaurant today, you see how busy the waiting area is. It's a very busy life. You know how to clear out? I was going to tell an old joke, but I'm not going to tell the joke. But do you know how to clear out a, a good waiting area in a restaurant? You just lift your hands up and start speaking in tongues. They'd be like, this man is crazy. I'm like, Thank you, Jesus. I'm going right to the front of the line. Hallelujah. I walked in one time at a restaurant. I, my wife and I and all our kids, I walked in that place. She said, it's going to be an hour and a half wait. I said, my father owns this place, ma'am. Can you get me in a little quicker? She says, your father owns this place? I said, you better believe it. She says, give me just a minute. I'll find you a table. She runs back there. She works all her magic. She's doing all her thing. And I'm telling you what, not five minutes later, she comes back and she says, sir, follow me. We got you a good table right here in the back. I said, oh, praise God. Later on, she comes up to me. She said, you told me your father owns this place. I said, he does. My father in heaven owns everything. I said, I'm not lying to you, ma'am. My father owns it. But you know what? A lot of people are too, they're too weak-minded to even say something like that in a restaurant. 
You're looking at me like I lied. You're looking at me like a mule with a new gate. But I got news for you. My father does own everything. The Bible says that he owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. Glory to God. That belongs to you. That belongs to me. That belongs to everybody. Amen. And when you serve him, when you live for him, when you do his will, guess what he does? He gives you a buffet of steak. Well, I don't like steak. Well, guess what? He owns the chickens too. And he owns all the sea of the oceans, all the waters. He owns it all. Well, I don't need any of that either. Well, guess what? He still owns it. Amen. Isn't it amazing how we try to find the excuse? Well, I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat that. Well, guess what? God's got something else for you. Well, I'm this. Well, guess what? God still has something for you. If you would only realize and understand it, it's for me. Glory to God. Put your hands out and say, God, fill them up, Lord. Lead me, guide me, direct me in your way, oh God, and I'll follow you, Father God. He will lead us. I'm telling you, God is a merciful God. And it's so amazing to me how many times we give up. It's amazing to me how many times we surrender and how many times we don't really trust God that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. Amen? God is still looking for places to dwell. He's looking for people like you and me who want to receive him. He's looking for some life in us. Uh, oh, I'm telling you something. We need to know this morning that, uh, you know, uh, the, the promise of Christmas is not about presents. It's not about gifts. It's not about this or that, the lights. Uh, although every one of those things is beautiful. Amen? But the promise is this. Any person at any time who is willing, say that with me, willing, any person who is willing, glory to God, Jesus, he will come in. God will come in. He will enter into your situation. You say, no, I'm too big of a mess. Yes, you are, but he'll still come in and take care of you. Yes, I am, but he still cares enough for me that he's going to come into my situation and he's going to help me, glory to God. He's going to lift me up. He says, I will vindicate you, glory to God. Man, I'll tell you what, there's nothing, nothing better than that. No better feeling in the world to know that if I'm in right standing with God, no matter what I do, I'm going to be all right. Woo, that means I can shout, I can dance, I can get ready for church. It don't matter if my socks have holes in them. Listen, we ain't going to ask you for the show of your socks or anything, but you know what? We all wear them, amen? But it's not about that. We focus on all of the wrong things in our lives. We let all the distractions of our life get in the way of what's happening in our life for reals. And we got our, our concept of Christmas is so much, it's twisted. If you would just open the door and see that Jesus is standing there. If you would open up that door, if you just knock and know that he's going to open it or when he's knocking, that you'll open up that door. And yet, just as we open the door, the baby cries. Just as you open the door, you hear the knocking, boom, the doorbell rings. Your cell phone rings. You remember to call the doctor. Maybe you have to cut the grass. Maybe you've got to do some chores or do some work. I'm talking about distractions. Right when you're about to get your breakthrough, right when God is about to speak, right when God is about to speak into your life and help you, boom, the phone rings. The baby cries. A distraction happens. And we say, oh, Jesus. Thank you so much, Lord, for coming by today. 
just like we do to the salesman at the door. Oh, Jesus, thank you for coming by my house today. I really, 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 really love that you came by to see me, but it's not a good time, Lord. It's not a good time. I'm kind of busy right now. I'm kind of, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now. My wife and I are back here fighting, Lord. You know, we're, we're, we got to work this out and deal with this before, you know, you and I can have a talk here, before you can bless me, Lord. Oh, I would never turn away the blessing of God. I think we're doing it on a daily basis. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. Will you open it? Let me in. Let me help you. Let me, let me encourage you. Life is just crowded, isn't it? Life is just a mess of, of being busy. Business and this and that and running here, running there. That's why in my life I've disciplined myself to give myself some peace and quiet. Anybody else ever do that? Besides my prayer time, besides talking to the Lord and reading my Bible, I have a time of the day that is my time. It is my time, and, and I'm telling you something, it, it's my time. Don't bug me. Honey, you can bug me. It's okay. Anytime. But you have your quiet place where you have to get away. Because at that very moment when you're in that quiet place, that is where God begins to knock. He begins to deal with your character. He begins to deal with who you are. Listen to me. You might not ever have this conversation with anybody outside of your little circle, but when you get to that place where you're all alone with God, you begin to question who you are. You begin to question what you are, who, what you're doing, and how you're doing it. To, and God begins to convict. Hallelujah. I thank God for the conviction of the Lord. Amen. Because I could not do it without him. If we're in a place in our life where conviction doesn't bother us anymore, you are in a very, very, very dangerous place in your life. We have to allow the Holy Ghost to work in us. You see, this is when the pressures of life take over. Our work, our kids, our marriages. And we say, there's just no time right now. Jesus, could you just come back later, please? Maybe, you know, after I graduate from high school or college, Lord, could you just come back then and deal with me? Because right now I'm having a good old time. Just come back when I graduate, Lord. I'll have the diploma in hand and I'll be good to go. Maybe after I get my promotion, Lord, then, then I'll talk to you. But, you know, let me go in there. We ought to be going to God first, shouldn't we? Lord, give me the words to speak to my boss, Lord. Lord, give me the numbers to tell him, Lord, when he asks me how much I'd like to make. Well, I'd like to make $977 million, sir. That's what I'd like to make. What kind of question is that? How much would you like to make? Well, I'd like to make all I can. Amen? Or maybe I can get the kids out of diapers and get them out of diapers first, right? Or let me retire first, sir. God, just let me get through what I'm going through in my life. Before you start trying to lead and boss me around a little bit, I want to ask you a serious question this morning. Is your life crowded? Is there a lot going on in your life? I'm not talking about, yes, we all go to work. We all wake up early. We all go do our thing. Some of you don't wake up all day long, but glory to God, you're trying. Amen? But we're all busy. But I want to ask you a serious question. Is your life crowded? If your life is crowded, you need to know something very important. Heaven knows that your life is crowded. Heaven knows what's going on. God knows exactly what is happening in your life and in mine. Glory to God. See, God knows the last thing that you need is another list of things to do. Throw that honeydew list away. 
<laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> I thought I'd get a lot more amens on that one. There's only one honest man in this whole place. He said, praise the Lord. Glory to God. You about got me shouting. Glory. Lists. Lists. We make lists. You ever notice some of the lists you make never get accomplished? Some of the things in life, you know, we make these big lists. My wife is a list person. She loves to make lists, but, you know, she knocks her list out. When she has a list in hand, she knocks it out. But if you don't make, if you make a list and don't carry the list around with you, guess what? You're not going to get completed what you want to complete. You might do one or two things that you remembered because the day gets so busy. You get sidetracked, like I mentioned earlier. The phone rings. You know, the kids come flying out. Somebody falls and gets hurt. All of a sudden, there's a distraction in your life. And things get crowded. God knows the last thing you need is another list of things to do. God comes to us with a list of things that he already has done. Amen? Doesn't he say to us in his word, uh, he says, uh, you know, we think our life seems crowded because, you know, we're trying to do things only the, the things only God can do. We're trying to do things, and he's saying, I, I, only I can do that. You're trying to stay alive forever, and you're just fighting and fighting and fighting. But Jesus says, I've already taken care of that. <laughs> you, you got a plan to do this and a plan to do that, and I'm going to go this and that and that. He says, I've got it already taken care of. He says, you trust me. I've already defeated your death. I mean, these are, these are Bible stories and scriptures that we're talking about. You're trying to outrun all the mistakes that you made in your life. And Jesus said, I've already taken care of all that. He said, I gave my life on the cross uh, so that you could have joy and hope and, and a sound mind. Glory to God, you'll never have to think again of all those wicked things that we've done. He said, it's already taken care of. He said, I died for every mistake that you've ever made. Isn't that so encouraging to know that he gave his blood on Calvary's cross for you and I? Everything, every mistake. He said, you're trying to outrun the shame, the failures. And Jesus says something very simple. He says, that's all right. I already did that for you. I died for your shame. Oh, praise the Lord. You're trying to find courage to face all your fears. And Jesus says, that's okay. I've taken care of that. He says, I've taken care of that, and I come into your house with power and with strength. Uh, and you know, a lot of times, you and I as Christians, we forget that we do have uh, power and strength uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, oh, we're real fast to say, you'll be all right. Uh, oh, God's got this. But you know what? When you use the name of Jesus, it's more powerful. You say, oh, things are going to be all right. Uh, Paul, God's got you. Hallelujah. Oh, he, in the name of Jesus, it's going to be good. God's got a good thing for you. You know what? There's power in that. And it doesn't just excite us. And I know, you know, it's easy to me to stand up here and encourage you, but I talk to myself the same way every day. I've got to encourage myself in the Lord. Amen? I've got to fight through my own trials and tribulations and all the things that go on in life. See, if your life is too crowded, I hope you'll think about this for just a moment. Jesus comes not to complicate your life, but to simplify your life. You see, we don't accept Jesus so, so things get complicated. We don't accept Jesus. See, the problem with a lot of Christians is, you know, we think because we got saved today that tomorrow we have to know the entire word of God by heart. 
I've been saved for 45 years, and let me tell you something. I got to go to the Bible for my scriptures. Hallelujah, amen. I'm not like some of you real, real, real smart people where you just say it out, shout it out. Hallelujah. I wish I could. It's in me. It's in my heart. I live it. I'm walking with him. It's, it's, it's alive in me. But I go to the word of God. This is where all the answers are at right here. You see, as long as you have this right here, God's word, and you're living by this word, listen, you don't have to fear nothing. Glory to God. You've got power. The Bible says to tread over serpents and scorpions. That doesn't mean that you just stand out in the middle of the highway and dare the cars to run you over because they will here in, De in, in Dallas or in Texas, whatever you call this place. They will run you clean off of this road. And if you're young, learn how to drive, just drive like me, 45 miles an hour everywhere you go. Make you all mad. I'm telling you what, it don't bother me, not a minute. I got signal lights and I got flashers on my car. You're just going to go right around me. But they drive like the devil out there. I'm not you, they do. They're driving like the devil out there on these highways, amen. But you know what we do? We stress. We stress, we worry, oh, we, get, we complicate life and we make it all a big deal and things are just going on all around us instead of just saying, you know what, oh, I'm telling you what, God, I'm not going to live a complicated life. I'm going to simplify things in my mind and I'm going to serve you. Listen, I can't quit an addiction myself. You can't quit an addiction by yourself. You need God to help you with that situation. You say, well, what do I do to quit? Well, you throw it away. First of all, you got to make the decision that you're not going to do it anymore. Well, I made that decision yesterday, but something happened today. Well, guess what? Make it again. <laughs> Call somebody up and say, listen, man, I'm really hurting. I'm struggling. i got a problem. Now, don't get on a microphone and tell the whole world what's going on in your life because then you'll be the laughing stock of the city. Call somebody who can keep you accountable. But don't complicate things in your walk with God. Amen? Listen, God simplifies our life by doing the things that we cannot do for ourselves. And he clarifies life. He simplifies it. Listen to this promise in Ephesians 1.11. He says, in him also we have obtained an inheritance. How many have an inheritance? We all have it. Every single one of us. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. I wrote a different translation, and I like to put, when I do other translations, I like to add my own words in there because, you know, that's what the other translations do anyways, amen? And I put it like this. I said, Ephesians 1.11, it's, it it's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. And long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. He had his eye on us, had design on us for, get, for, uh, for glorious living, part of the overall purpose. Uh, he is working out in everything and in everyone. Amen? I mean, you can find a thousand translations for every scripture in the Bible. The first one we read was about the right one. Hallelujah. You see, you find your purpose in living in him, and all we have to do is open the door and let him in. Hallelujah. You know, if you didn't open that door this morning, you couldn't walk into this church. If someone didn't open it for you, you wouldn't have been able to come in to this church. Amen. Someone says, It's too late. 
You say the hour's late. I got news for you. It's never too late for God. It's never too late for God. You know, my mama, she's struggling with her health. And uh, she's young. My mama's young. And I hope my mama's listening to this message. I know she jumps on when she can. But the doctors have given my mother an evil report. And they even very specifically tried to give her days to live. You know, this is your day to live. You have from here to here to live. And, and that's what it is. And I asked my mama, Mama, what do you think about that? And she said, oh, they're all liars. <laughs> Didn't even hesitate a minute. They're trying to say it's Alzheimer's and, and what's the other one? Uh, anyways, dementia. And I said, Mama, are you worried? She said, oh, no, I'm not worried. She says, I have from now to the day I die to tell everybody I can about Jesus. She says, and that's all that's important to me. Are you saved? She said, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I didn't expect that. But isn't that amazing, the outlook she has? The way she sees things in her life. And here we all, we, you know, we got it pretty much good together. We walked into this place today and, you know, some rolled in a willing chair, wheelchair. I don't know how we came in. Maybe a cane. Maybe a little bit of a limp like I have all the time. Amen. But we got it good. And mama going through all the trials she's going through in her life. And guess what? She says, all I care about is what the souls that are going to be saved from here out. It's never too late for God. See, you stack, your stack of sins is never too high. Did you know that? And I'm not saying we just keep sinning and sinning and sinning and God just all helps us through this. No, we got to stop sinning. But it's the tormenting of the mind, the sin, the stack is just so high, the things we've done, or your list of failure. It never, 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 it's never too long. God still called men like Abraham. There's lots of women involved in these Bible stories. Abraham was old. Jacob cheated on his family. Can you imagine the failures? David, imagine David. How many failures did David have? David got caught a lot. But you know what? God loved this man because he had a heart after him. You and I today, think of your own failures. Don't, don't think too hard on them because guess what? God has already forgiven them and he's already helped us with those things. He died for them on Calvary's cross. But sometimes we dwell on these things. We, you know, in each of these men, it wasn't too late for God to do a miracle in their life. It was never too late. And you, you and I today, we need to understand that it is not uh, too late for God to do something powerful and miraculous in our lives. I'm going to give you a couple clues. You want to live healthy? Eat healthy. You want to make money? Find somebody that knows how to make money. And ask questions. Don't ask them for their money because they're not going to give it to you. Amen? Not, you, you go ask a multi-millionaire for his money, he's going to tell you no. He's going to tell you no. This, he'll tell you how to get it. Okay, you got to go to work. You got to wake up. You got to brush your teeth. You got to comb your hair. Some of us, we quit by then. <laughs> oh, that's too much work. Can't do that. No, you got to wake up in the morning. In the morning. <laughs> Did you hear it? And you got to brush your teeth, you got to comb your hair, you got to go to work. If you don't have work, you got to go look for work. Lots of things you can do. If you want things in life, you have to seek the Lord in learning how to go after those things. And even when you're making money, there's still trials and tribulations that come into your life. You just have to learn how to fight. You have to say, glory, hallelujah, we're going to work today. We're going to go fight. We're going to battle today. We're going to go into war. We're going to have a good time today. 
Instead of giving up and saying, I'm a failure. I didn't get this job. I didn't do this one. I couldn't get that one. Oh, what am I going to do with myself? I see it a lot in marriages where we make a mistake. We say something that we regret, uh, and we can never back out of what we said. Can't do it. It's impossible. You'll never get back those words that came out of your mouth. You'll never get it back. Even though I'm sorry is a very strong statement, but guess what? These women of ours never forget them. They don't forget them. All you can do is change. And that's what the mercies of God is all about, is that all he wants us to do is change. He says, I stand at that door and I knock. He says, if you'll open that door as our musicians come forward this morning, he says, if you, if I, you stand at that door and knock, I will open up that door. He says, I'll open up that door, and, and man, listen, when he opens up that door, it's the greatest thing in the world, glory to God, because now it's not by your strength, it's not by your power, but it's by my power, saith the Lord, it's by my strength, saith the Lord, hallelujah, and it's his way, not my way, because my way gets me in trouble. How many can be honest with me this morning and say that your way gets you in trouble, but God's way is the right way? There's no other way. Hallelujah. Amen. And I, I know for a fact that in, in this particular situation, I think we all need to understand that it's not too late for us. It's not too late. There's hope for you. There's hope for me. It's not too late because God, uh, he is fond of you and he's fond of me and he wants a miracle for every single one of us. Matter of fact, when we leave this place today, he wants you to go tell somebody about Jesus. He wants you to go show somebody that God is not just God in the air, but God is alive in me. Hallelujah. He is alive in you. And when you open up your mouth at that restaurant or at your family's house or wherever you go today, that God is alive in you. Praise the Lord. You see, that's what God desires from us. He says, you know, when he says knock and I'll open, you open the door and I'll, I'll enter in, he's not talking about just, just wiping it all away like it's all going to be just peachy, everything's good. He said, give me control of the situation. Let me in. Let me help you with what you're going through in your life. You see, there's something about us that God just finds irresistible. There's something about you. Maybe you feel so unworthy in your life. Maybe you feel like you're just a nobody. Maybe, maybe you feel like, you know, when I was in the world, I used to have fun. Maybe when I was in the world, I used to laugh and joke and have a good time. And then I've given my life to Jesus, and now all of a sudden, I become this walking statue. I'm just a walking mummy, and I'm just like, oh, doing my thing, and, and just coming to church, and it feels like a routine in your life. I got news for you. You are irresistible to God. He wants to be in your presence. He wants to be with you. He wants to be for you. You ever prayed a prayer? My wife is so amazing about this. Matter of fact, it's so amazing that it gets on our nerves. If we lose something, did you pray? I mean, she don't even gasp for air. Did you pray? No, I didn't pray. Well, pray. I will. No, pray now. I, I'm going to pray. No, do it now. And you want to know something? Now, after years of her doing this to all of us kids, all the kids and me and all of us, guess what now? We don't even argue. Yes, I'll pray. And you want to know something? God shows himself worthy and true. 
I know it sounds very simple. Well, it's just keys you found or lost. No. This has been, I'm talking miraculous things in our lives where we couldn't pay the bills. And she said, did you pray? I said, well, baby, these people owe us a lot of money. She says, did you pray? Oh, man. I mean, it's hard enough when God says to pray, but when your wife is telling you to pray, and then you do it, and God manifests his power through your obedience. See, that's all God's looking for in us is our obedience to him. It doesn't matter if it's the husband or the wife or who it is. Listen, I'm in charge of that house when she lets me be. I'm telling you. But are we listening to the things of God? Are we letting God speak when we open that door? Are we letting God in past the door? Oh, Lord, I'll talk to you through the window. That's all right. Oh, yeah, Jesus, anything else? Yeah, I can't let you see what's going on in my life inside, but we can talk through the door. I don't want to live like that, do you? Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes this morning in reverence to the Lord. You see, God, he sees something about you and something about me. That he has seen many times. And he says, oh, I've got to have that person in my kingdom. He said, oh, I've seen this many times before. That drug addict coming to the Lord. That pervert that, that God just restored that mind. That liar. God says, oh, he's going to make a great man of God. She's going to make a great woman of God. You see, he says, I'm not a respecter of persons. God, listen, God loves us all. He loves you. He loves me. And he wants to continue to love us. But we have to accept him. We have to accept him in. Into our life. Into what he wants to do with us. Into making better choices. And this morning I wanted to give an opportunity to every person that is here in this room today. You're here today. You're not saved. You're away from God. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. You're here online today. You're watching. Maybe you're at work and you're watching. Maybe you're driving down the road. Who knows what it is. You're sitting at home. I want you to know that God loves you. Maybe you're here. You're not saved. You're there. You're not saved. But you want to be saved. You want to give Jesus the reins, complete control of your life. If that's you in this place today, you're not saved, but you want to be saved today. Just lift your hand up. Lift it up before the Lord. Put it up. Put it right back down. Lift it high. I see these hands. How many more all over this place? Come on. Don't be afraid. Don't be shy. Don't hold back. You feel that tugging at your heart. Just lift your hand up and let God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. How many more all over this place? I promise you it will be the best decision that you've ever made in your entire life if you just be obedient to God and say, Lord, I want to be saved today. How many more all over this place from left to right, front to back? How many more? Maybe you've been saved before. Maybe you've accepted Jesus Christ into your life, but today you're away from God. You've allowed sin into your life and you're away from the Lord. If that's you, just put your hand up and put it right back down. I want to pray for you. How many all over this place? Come on, let's not be afraid this morning. Amen. Amen. How many more? 
Praise God. I see these hands. Let's all stand to our feet this morning in this congregation. If we would, just stand up. and In just a moment, we're going to come down to this altar, and we're going to open the altar up for us all to come down and pray. But if you've lifted your hand up this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to ask you to do one more thing. If you would just come right down to this altar right here in front, I just want to pray for you. I will not embarrass you. I will not call you out in, in front of this congregation. I just there's, a, there's, a, there's something about a public confession that God is pleased with. If you raise your hand, come on down here. I want to pray with you. Amen. Come on. Praise God. Come on. Young man, you raise your hand. Come on. It's okay. It's okay. Come on. Come on. Yes. Praise God. Amen. There was another hand over here. If you, listen, come on down. This isn't to man. This isn't, you know, I can't save you. This is between you and God. Amen. And that's okay. If you don't come down, that's fine. We're going to pray a prayer. And we're going to pray it before the Lord this morning. Amen. I want to ask if everyone would bow their heads and close their eyes and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I invite you into my heart, into my life. Say it with your words, brother. Say it with your own words. I invite you into my heart, and I ask you to save me. Set me free from all sin and all bondage. I surrender right now to you, Lord, as my Lord and my Savior. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. I will serve you forever, Lord, to the best of my ability. And I give you all the praise, all the glory, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.